Welcome to It's the ADHD Friendly Podcast, where we talk all things well-being, personal development, and living our best damn ADHD lives at home and at work. My name is Karen McGill. I'm a certified ADHD life coach, and I'm here to help you do life better. Hello, everyone. It is good to be back in your earballs today. I have something for you that's a bit of a nod to uh, the lazy genius. If you've never heard of her, she is this remarkable woman. She's an author, podcaster, and she never talks about ADHD, but every time I listen to her, I'm like, you know that you know, you're know you talking to the entire ADHD community here, right? Like she just simplified. She's got this talent for simplifying things way more than I can. <laughs> and she must have somebody who's ADHD in her life because the way she simplifies things is so incredibly ADHD friendly. It's not even funny. Uh, so today's a bit of a nod to her. I've created what I'm calling a model uh, for, shall we say, like, just living your best ADHD life. I'm calling it the ADHD friendly check-in right now. That is my working title. It really is rather boring. So at the end of this, you might have a better idea for me uh, of what I can call it. But uh, I will share this model with you. And I'll also post it in the show notes so that you can snag it and maybe pop it into your journal or something like that, or put it uh, somewhere where you can use it um, regularly and often to the point where you will master these questions. Cause there are a series of eight questions <clears throat> that will help you drive your life in a direction that is good for you. It's questions that help you check in and help you be more intentional about the decisions you make, the reactions you make, and just how you run your life. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. So it's eight questions and they're ordered in such a way that if you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs at the bottom of that, a triangle, that triangle that his model is based on the bottom level, which is the most important is taking care of your physiological needs. Um, and that is the base of this uh, model as well, which is how do you feel? So before you react to anything, before you make any decisions, if you're feeling like crap, if you don't know what to do next in life, if you have this uh, like list beside you, checking in and seeing how you feel physically would be the first thing I would always recommend to you. Even if I was like the little coach on your shoulder, that's what I would say. Are you hot, tired? Are you dehydrated? Are you hungry? All of these things impact um, brain function and mood and clarity and attention. And it's really important that if you your body budget is in a deficit, that you are taking the steps necessary to bring your body up to baseline. Like I may not be you know ready to run a marathon, but at least I'm not exhausted. Uh, or I just had a warm meal. It's amazing how life can look so much better after a hot meal and a, and a, a good night's sleep. I think Greg McEwen said that. Uh, in his new book, not essentialism, but the one afterwards. I digress. Number two, what am I paying attention to? This is so critical. So if you're feeling crappy in the moment, in the moment, and you're just not quite sure why, and you've already checked in physically, and you you know you're slept and you're hydrated, you're you're fed and and, and watered and slept then now it's time to start looking at what you're paying attention to. And I heard a podcast this morning that had this brilliant description of the brain. Put your hand in front of you uh, sideways. Uh, so you're staring at your thumb and put your thumb into the palm of your hand and then cup your fingers around your thumb. So it was a fist, but your thumb's tucked into the, the hand. Now, this is a, a kind of an image of your brain. Your wrist 
is your brainstem. And the closest thing to your brainstem is that thumb that's in the center of your brain. That is a representation of your limbic system. It's kind of your lizard brain. Uh, we call that our prehistoric brains. And then over top, the, your fingers that are coding it is your cortex. So the prefrontal cortex is where uh, our executive function is. And then there's other pieces of cortex that all interplay in terms of how we react to things, the decisions we make, the moods that we are uh, like engaged in and our behaviors and our personality basically. So when we are paying attention to something that's negative, that's that negative cognitive bias and we're in rumination or we're not giving enough um, light or uh, airtime to other potentials other than the worst case scenario, then we really need to check in because, because we have that negative bias that is inherent to all of us and is part of our makeup because that kept us safe millions of years ago, but you know, we're not getting chased by tigers anymore. So we don't need to think about negativity with the same level of detriment that we did many years ago and our ancestors did. So very often we're still call, calling upon that, like that reaction to detrimental thinking when it's unnecessary. So paying attention to what you're paying attention to sounds a little meta, but it's incredibly important. Stop what am I paying attention to in this moment? Am I paying attention to the fact that this person is pissing me off and I'm about to snap their head off? Or am I paying attention to, huh, what is it about this? What this person is saying is triggering me. I wonder why that is. Always be curious. Always come to everything that you can do with curiosity, which is why all of these are listed as questions on that. Number three, does whatever I'm doing in the moment, the action, the activity, the thought, the reaction, the behavior, does it light me up or does it drain me? You guys, this is so important that we're always paying attention to questioning and, and being curious about the things that we do in our life. So many of us don't know what we should be doing or lack clarity around passion in life. And it's not that there's some big message or some big obvious thing, like an epiphany that we're missing. It's much smaller and uh, more uh, defined by small moments. You know what lights me up? Cleaning the kitchen and seeing it clean when I'm done or journaling in the morning or the fact that my husband brings me coffee in the morning. They're very small things. Like when you think about it, my life, and I am living my best, my best life, ADHD or otherwise. And that is because I've become so aware of the small things that do light me up. I know there's things in my life that drain me. And to the degree that I can, I minimize them. It's not all or nothing. Nothing ever is all or nothing. Sometimes I have to do things I don't like to do, like taxes. Hello. <gasps> I have to do, even if I hire it out, I got to get papers together and, and adult things around taxes. But I do those things knowing that, okay, this is something that drains me. So I need to set it up in a way that's not going to be as draining. Maybe get some support, get some help, have a glass of wine and then tackle it. So being aware of what lights you up and what drains you is going to help you make better choices in your life, hands down. And again, before we move off this point, it's usually the very small and minute things that are most important because those are the things that occur on the daily. The next question to ask yourself about anything, again, behavior, thought, idea, reaction, is why does it matter? Why is it important to you? And this uh, I give credit to the lazy genius for. This is one of her 13 principles. Uh, knowing, asking yourself this question 
it's incredibly important if you have ADHD because we are less inclined to do things like, as we all know, our prefrontal cortex, which is the fingers that are wrapping around the, the thumb are, um, not as lit up. They're not as turned on as uh, neurotypical people. We still have prefrontal cortex executive function abilities, but it's like a light switch that's a little janky. So in order for us to switch that light switch on, we have to know why something is important to us, either because it's urgent, either because we're going to get kicked out of the house or lose our job if we don't do it, which is where we spend a lot of our life in like, you know, urgent mode. Uh, or it's just something that's incredibly like, interesting or compelling to us. But there has to be a why, and it has to matter. This is so important. Uh, Mikhail Chick sent me high, who uh, recently passed away, godfather of flow or a creator of flow, um, uh, one of the grandfathers of pod, uh, or founders of positive psychology movement, talked about the three elements of flow being doing one thing and focusing on it, knowing why it matters and why it's meaningful to you and making sure that it's a little bit out of your comfort zone or just a little bit hard or challenging so that you have got to focus on it. That is how you jump into flow naturally. And that middle piece of why it matters, why it's meaningful to you is something that should never be underestimated. So if you're struggling with a decision, if you're uh, you know, wondering why something's not happening or why you can't get yourself going on something, ask yourself, why does it matter? Number five, what does success look like? Ooh, this is another big one for uh, ADHDers. And I learned about this in my coaching program. And I think this is relevant for all of us though. Like, okay, so let's say you have a dream. Uh, I have a dream of meeting my, you know, my husband, like this, this love of my life. And we're going to have kids together. And we're going to have a house. Blah, blah, blah. And nine times at, not nine times at, 50% of the population, I think, gets married and has children. They procreate and they may or may not get married to the person, but they find the love of their life to procreate with. And there's always variations therein, but most of us do that. And um, not most of us, 50% of us do that. But how many of us that do that take a moment once the kiddos and the husband are there to check in and say, oh, when I was 17, this is what I really wanted. Uh, this is success for me because it was really what I wanted when I was 18 or 19 or whatever the age was. Now I have it. And, oh, I've reached success. I am successful. Success is in my life. Uh, we never do that, right? Because we're tired from raising children and annoying husband who acts more like the children than he does your life partner. And life is hard and adulting is hard and motherhood. I just, I can't even imagine. So we are not looking at what we've achieved and said, okay, this is success. And that's, Partly because we're picking success models when we're not aware of what success looks like or feels like because we're maybe young or, or we don't have that life experience yet, but also because we're not really defining what success looks like. So we keep moving the dial forward. We keep pushing that goalpost down the line. So success for me personally is I have a business that sustains me and I know exactly what that dollar amount is. I, it, it doesn't require any more than this exact amount of hours per week. And it's meaningful AF to me. That is what success looks like for me professionally. What success looks for, like for me personally is to have connections with the people that I love. May or may not see them a lot. That's okay. May not talk to them every day. That's okay. But I feel connected to them. That is success in my relationship. So I'm very, very specific 
about what success looks like. And when I do that, I know whether or not I'm in success or not. And when I am in success, I give myself a freaking minute to go, hello, pat on the back, Karen, you're successful. You did that. Now you can go ahead and create a new goal for yourself. I saw this a lot in my, just a, another digression here. I saw this a lot in my fitness coaching when women would come to me looking to lose weight and then they did lose the weight, but there was no celebration. They lost the 10 pounds, but it's like, oh, I thought magically my butt was going to get tighter and, you know, my thighs would have a gap, whereas they lost weight on the back of their arms instead of, you know, where they wanted to, because that's how bodies release weight. And they just kept moving the goalposts down further and further down the line, which they never give themselves a moment of saying, I set a goal and I achieved it, so I am successful. And that comes back to the, what are you paying attention to? If we're always paying attention to the fact that things are not quite right, then how can you possibly feel successful? So that is number five. Number six, what is the next best step I can take? I love this question. I use it a lot in coaching. And again, nod to the lazy genius. She, um, Actually, this is part of the second, the next question, which they can be part and parcel of, of um, the same question. So the number six being, what is the next best step I can take? Kind of brings you into the moment and thinks about what you want and makes you think about what success will look like so that you can bridge the gap between where you are and where you're going. And if that's hard for you, which very often for us it is, it's like, ah, I don't know what the next step is, right? It's overwhelming. There's a number of different ways we can tackle anything. Then number seven is going to be useful for you. And this is the lazy genius um, idea uh, that is also universal. Uh, how can I make this, whatever that step is, if it's feeling overwhelming, how can I make it easier, smaller, or clearer? Very often when we are stuck in procrastination or you know, we just don't know what to do next, so it's either perfectionism or not feeling good enough or you know, terror of doing the wrong thing, there's an, any number of emotions that can be behind procrastination. But very often, if we can make the step smaller, it makes it easier. Or if we can make the step clearer, it makes it easier because when we get clarity and the step is small, it's easier to do from like a fear perspective. Like if it's a very small baby step, fear is not going to feel as overwhelming. Or if it's clear enough, then maybe you can even clarify whether or not you want to do that step. Because again, we as human beings, we have this sense of there's a certain way to do things because obviously, because that's the way we are educated in our school systems, there's like this way of doing things to get from A to B to Z. And if you don't do it that way, then it's wrong. And that is just simply not the case, but that's not the way our brains are trained to think. So if something it seems clear, but it doesn't seem like something you want to do, then ask yourself, is there another way to do it? Or is it important that I do this? Or do I really actually want to do this? Or who am I doing this for? There's a number of different questions you can ask yourself there. But always remember, like there's a million different ways to achieve something. So you pick the way that's easiest and clearest and the smallest action for you so that you can move forward. And then the last question, which is very ADHD specific and friendly, is how will I remember? I ask my clients this every time we have a session, we end the session with what was your biggest takeaway? And they usually have some sort of epiphany, either small or large of, wow, you know, I didn't really think about this or wow, I'm really thinking about this in a different way, or I can't wait to get started on this, or now I know what I want to do. And then I say to them, 
how are you going to remember to do that? Because ADHD or not, we get very fired up in the moment. Like my clients are usually not to brag or anything, but my clients are usually feeling pretty, you know, stoked at the end of our calls. Like they're, yeah, ready to go, ready to go. And that energy is great, but it's not sustainable. You know, the minute, you know, your kids come home and you get distracted and there's a million different things to do and you got to cook dinner, you've lost that energy and momentum. And with it, you've lost what you said you were going to do. So that's why I like to record my coaching calls. Uh, but also it's great for you to have this sense of how am I going to remember how I'm feeling in this moment and what the next clear small step is that I know I feel confident to take. Remembering things can look like I'm going to put it on, on Alexa and I'm going to ask her, I don't have Alexa here in this cottage, so I can say it without her popping up. Like Alexa, remind me at 2 p.m. every day to you know, reach out to a client or that sounds like a very big thing. Actually, that's a terrible example, but, you know, think of something that's much smaller than that. Um, Alexa, you know, remind me at 8.30 every night that uh, I start my, my wind down routine or Alexa, turn off the lights in my living room at 8.30 so that I'm sitting in the dark and maybe turn off the plug to my TV too. You can do things like that. You know, you can get plugs that are on timers and the timer shuts things off so you can't watch any more Netflix. How about them apples? But that's what I mean by how will you remind her, how will you set up external structures because your prefrontal cortex at the end of the day, that executive function piece is, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's had 14 drinks and it's dancing on a bar somewhere, whether you've had a drink, a drip of alcohol or not. Our brains are usually like jello at the end of the night. So if we can set up external structures and we can set up reminder systems, we're going to be far likelier to, to follow through because we remember the action we were going to take. So that's what I've got for you today. Those are the eight questions. I'll just run down them again real quick. How am I feeling? Am I tired, dehydrated, hungry? What am I paying attention to? Is it overly negative? Am I ruminating? Does this light me up or drain me? Is it even the smallest thing? Why does it matter? Because matter, what matters to us is what's important to us. What does success look like? Be as specific as possible. What is the next best step I can take? And if you're overwhelmed, how can I make it easier, smaller, or clearer? And how will I remember? So that's what I've got for you today, guys. I hope that was helpful. Again, a link to this list will be in the show notes. And I'm going to continue to noodle on this and come up with a snazzy name. But the idea behind it is print it out or write it out, put it in your journal or wherever you are checking on the daily or wherever you can refer to it when you're having those moments. And I don't need to tell you what those moments are. It's like the moments where you're overwhelmed, stuck, wondering, you know, how did you get here or how to adult <laughs> pull this list out. And it is going to ground you in intentionality and square your brain into a direction that's going to move you forward in a productive manner. Thanks very much for listening, guys. I so appreciate you. Again, I recently updated my coaching packages so that you can now hire me for a one-hour intensive, which I'm loving these and my clients are loving these because if you just have one thing that you want to work on in that session, it's there's a gratifying sense of, wow, I really got past that at the end of my session. And yeah, they're going well. So on that note, thank you very much for listening and I'll see you next Friday. Take care, guys. 
Thank you for listening. For links and resources for this podcast, please visit itsadhdfriendly.com or click the link in the show description. Please also be sure to subscribe so you get automatic updates when new shows are posted. And of course, please do leave us an ADHD-friendly review. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.